I used to enjoy Dr. Seuss. And now that I'm a little older, I think this guy was on drugs. Or something. Before it was legal. Because he was an out-of-the-box cartoonist. He was an out-of-the-box children's book author. And uh, I used to enjoy, out of all the kids' books that I could get my hands on, I enjoyed Dr. Seuss the most. But I remember one book in particular that was titled, What If Everybody Did? And uh, (laughs) this is going to sound funny, but uh, in my, the little wheels of my little mind back then, still a little mind, but the wheels don't move as fast. Um, I remember a picture of um, somebody squeezing a house cat. And uh, then the caption said, what if everybody did? And there wasn't anything left of the cat. And that that just struck me as being kind of funny, but it made a bigger point that there's some things that not everybody should do. Like if a guy rolls down the window and throws a piece of garbage out, what if everybody did that? If people stayed at home uh, and thinking they could watch some preacher on television, need I say more? But I want to talk to us tonight about a particular passage of Scripture where I'm going to pose this at the outset of this, what if everybody did what I'm about to talk about tonight? What if everybody did this? Desperation for cornbread. Uh, This is an amazing story. It's not found anywhere else uh, in the Word of God quite like this. There are a lot of harmonies of the gospel, especially when you're reading the synoptic accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This, uh, in fact, this particular passage is also found in Matthew chapter 7, but this, this aspect of importunity is, it sticks out because it's an interesting story. And Jesus did not just tell stories just to be a vehicle for a little, a little parable. Um, Jesus did not waste one word. And uh, we're living in a day, in an hour, where religiously speaking, people are becoming very casual about the word of God in which they kind of grade God on a curve, like it doesn't really matter, that doesn't really matter. The only thing that matters is what they think is what matters. But I want to tell you that all scripture is profitable. All scripture, all scripture, and um, everything counts, and consequently everything matters, what you think, what you say, what you meditate upon, what you put in your eyes, what you put in your ears, what's in your heart, what comes out of your mouth, everything matters. I want to start where we uh, started reading, we're going to do this kind of uh, kind of an exegesis here tonight where I'm going to move through this and break it down a little bit and explain and um, 
Let's start in verse number 5. This is an illustration um, in which Jesus is trying to make an incredible point that does not go unnoticed tonight. And he says, for, in verse number 5, Jesus said, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Now already we're at, it's, it's an interesting story already. Because this is an unusual setting where you have somebody that's actually moving about at night um, with this type of a request. And this is the reason why. Look at verse number 6. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. So there is a friend of a friend of a friend. The friend that is visiting does not know anything about this friend that is being visited at this time of night. In fact, the Bible said it's at midnight. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble be not. Basically, leave me alone. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Okay? On the surface, that sounds kind of reasonable, doesn't it? It's midnight. Leave me alone. My kids are asleep. And some of you that have small children say amen. When the kids fall asleep, uh, the parents are relieved. And everybody said amen. Some of you have forgotten how blissful it was when the children fell asleep. friend that was traveling was completely dependent on the friend that he was visiting. That the friend that he went to would supply their need. I'm going to say that again because it's kind of warm today and maybe our brains are just a little bit shutting down thinking, lumbar support and this pew sure feels nice. The man that was traveling had hunger. The Bible doesn't explore this, but we can extrapolate from this that perhaps he had a wife, perhaps he had children, perhaps there was more than one mouth to feed and they've traveled and they've Evidently been traveling a while because they didn't they didn't show up until nighttime. So he arrives at his friend's house, and his friend, sensing that they're tired, they're weary, and they're hungry, as the custom was, they should have something to eat. So he takes it upon himself and goes to the source. How do we know that this last friend, the one that doesn't want to get out of bed,
is the source. It's because when it's describing him, it's using a capital F for friend. And you're probably thinking, okay, so what? According to typology, that's God. So let me, let me get it out there. So there's going to be some people that are dependent on your walk with God. There are going to be some people that have traveled the road of life. They come to Cornerstone. They're wearied. They're tired. And they're hungry for bread. And bread is symbolic throughout the Word of God as being symbolic for the Word of God, the things of God. He doesn't know the capital F friend. If he did, he would probably go himself, but he is dependent on his friend to know the capital F friend good enough that there's going to be a supply. Okay? And now he's at the door, and it's at midnight, and I, I don't think he's banging on the door, but I think he's knocking, probably got a little bit of attitude behind it, knowing that he's probably asleep. The lights are off, but he has a friend at home that's hungry and weary and tired. And he realizes that he is standing between the provider and the need. Ladies and gentlemen, the 21st century church is falling into the tra trap of becoming so busy There are people that are totally dependent on your walk with God. I remember, um, I remember when my wife and I first started 25 years ago that there were some people that used to sit in the chairs. We had really cheap Naga hide covered chairs. We had 25 of them, and they would sit there. And they would watch my wife and I worship. And actually, they would watch me worship. Because my wife was on the piano. She had already asked me to put the guitar down and quit singing. It would probably sound better if I quit doing that, which it did. And so, when we first started the church, when my wife sang and played and we were praising God, I was worshiping God. I wasn't doing it for a show. I was doing it because I worship God. But they were dependent on somebody being able to get a hold of God. We're going to talk about some things. 
Because if we're not careful, we're going to fall into the trap of just being too busy to operate with God. And you're going to see it's going to have eternal consequences. Because what you do to the least of them, you've really done it unto God. God sent us to Spokane, Washington to have an old-fashioned book of Acts, baptism in Jesus' name, Holy Ghost infilling, fellowship, break bread, prayer, revival. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. Brother Dalen Sargent, I'll tell you how people try to fix this, what I'm talking about, is they don't want to personally or they cannot personally do it, so they start programs. And so what happens in a denominational sense is people are shopping churches according to their programs. When you come to Cornerstone, we don't have a lot of programs. The praises go up, God comes down, you obey the Bible, we're going to be brothers and sisters. Clap your hands and give him praise. Real simple. God's the provider. We're the recipients. No welfare, no food stamps, no, oh, come on, somebody. Give God the praise. It's that simple. So this man is standing at the door somebody that he knows has bread, he's a capital F friend, so he's got more than enough, he's got resource, he's got everything he needs, and the Bible says he will not do it because he, it's his friend. Yeah, we're friends, but go away, I'm, I'm sleeping. Yeah, I still love you, but don't wake my kids up. You and me are still cool, but just go away. We'll talk about it tomorrow. But in this, this little vignette, this, this parable of how God works and how the people of God are working, he says he will not give him bread because it is his friend. But he will give him bread because of his importunity. So what does importunity mean? It means perseverance. It means persistence. It means demand. It means, God, this person is not going to make it unless you move, and I'm going to stand here and pray for them and work with them. There's some people that will be won or lost entirely on how the church responds. We want to just pass it off and say, well, you know, I guess they really didn't want truth or they really didn't want this. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to push that off. There's some cases where it's very obvious that's what's going on. But I want to tell you, the church is required to stand up in the gap and make up the hedge and say, I am not going to let that person be lost. I am not going to let that person fall. Come on, somebody help me out. This is the problem. We would be blowing up at the seams. What if everybody did this? Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. 
It's time for real revival where we get a burden, where we get a passion, where we understand that we've got a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Brother Ryan about um, a young lady that's been coming. My wife and I met her last week. She's already missed two services. Well, in my line of work, that's already speaking to me. In fact, I want us to do this right now. I want you to lift your hands. I want us to pray for every single new person that has been coming to this church. We've had a slew of people that have been baptized in Jesus' name. The devil is coming at them. They have a target on their head. You've got to understand that the devil wants you so wrapped up in your own little world and your own little problems that you can't understand that you're the only one that can get a hold of bread. You're the one that knows the big F friend. You're the one that has a relationship with God. Open your mouth. Let's pray and let's get a hold of God. God, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we will not back off. Come on, pray with me. Persevere, push, demand. saying he will not get up because it's his friend. That, that, that just strikes me right there. The relationship doesn't guarantee you're going to get what you need. The bond that you share is, is, is not, no, you got, you got to take it to the next level. You got to step it up. You got to you got to go up a notch. You got to you got to have something in you that says, "You know what? There's souls at stake. They need bread. They're going back to the pigsty and they don't need pigsty. They need bread from the father's table and we are going to stand in the gap and God, I'm not going to let this just slide by. I'm not just going to let this slide under the carpet. I'm not just going to let this happen to my watch. We are going to stand in the gap. God, I'm going to call their name out. I'm going to call their name out. God, I want you to touch them. God, they've got to have support. God, they've got to have supply. God, they've got to have something. Are you taking notes? That's wonderful. Brand new visitor. Good to have you tonight. Taking notes. This is how you have a revival church. The danger in the 21st century is this is a nice place to live. Beautiful. Man, this is nice. Parking spot, air conditioning. Got my little toys. I ain't got time. Someone else is going to have to take care of those people. How many people you want the pastor to take care of? 
and then take care of some of your kids on top of it. How many, how many are you going to push off on other people? Where do we, what if everybody did this? What if everybody tonight understood that my responsibility is I am not going to go to heaven and be empty-handed, I'm going to make sure there's somebody that makes it. Maybe maybe I did that in my youth, and maybe I did it 20 years ago, but I'm going to go out of here with souls. I'm going to go out of here. Come on, you can do it. I'm not here just to put you down. I'm here to challenge you, desperate for a friend. We're not going to let you backslide. I'm going to stand between hell and you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get up in the middle of the night and pray. I'm going to call your name out in prayer. I'm going to do whatever I have to. Here's my last point, and then we're going to move on. That is a real friend. That is a real friend. One of the things that, that I don't want, I, I apologize, always using myself as an example, but I don't know what else to do. You know, when we're starting this church, I can't push it off on other people like Brother Seymour. If this church is going to grow, it's my responsibility. I can't put it off on people like Ryan. I can't just sit back and say, no, I got to keep, I was a soul winner when I got here, and I'm going to be a soul winner when they put me in a casket. I was a soul winner before I even got to Spokane, and I'm going to be a soul winner on the way out of here. You are not going to put, you're not going to stop a real soul winner. You are, you will stop a taker. You will stop a welfare recipient, but you will not stop a soul winner. You will. Come on, somebody. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. And so Jesus concludes this by saying, ask. Well, it didn't happen, so I guess I guess God's not real. Take it to the next level. Seek. Doesn't Hebrews 11, 6 said he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? Well, I guess God didn't answer. God didn't, God didn't supply. Take it to the next level. Knock. What is he doing? He's, he's graduating you to a level where you're going to learn how to be an importune prayer warrior, where you're going to learn to demand, where you're going to learn to get desperate. The people that backslide are the ones that just say, when you first get saved, all you got to do is ask because God's trying to build your faith. He's trying to get your root system established. But then God is trying to graduate you to maturity where you got to move beyond ask, and now it's seek. You know, I'm going to pray longer than five minutes. I'm going to pray longer than just walk around with my hands in my pocket. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to seek God. I'm going I'm to shut the rest of the world out. I'm going to get down and really get a hold of God. I'm going to take you to the next level. And then when you're, when you're fully mature, it's the person that gets up just like the friend in our story. And he said, I know 
know God's here, and I'm not backing off. I'm going to knock. I'm going to expect an answer. I'm going to expect a miracle. I'm going to expect Holy Ghost. I'm going to expect this church to grow. I'm going to expect this church to hit 500. I'm going to expect another building. I'm going to expect revival. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Maturity knocks. Maturity knocks. Maturity knocks and doesn't give up when it doesn't happen in five minutes. I told this story a couple weeks ago, and it's so funny and such a good story. I'm going to tell it again. There was a character used to go to this church about 12 years ago, and uh, we had some pretty single sisters in our church at that time. We still do. And uh, he looked around at this group and looked at me and said, Pastor, if God don't give me a wife in two weeks, I'm out of here. And uh, I didn't say it, but I was thinking it. Well, you might as well just go ahead and pack your bags because you are not going to push God in a corner. You are not going to put those kind of demands on God. God's going to expect you to grow up, get off welfare, quit accusing your mom and dad and, and how everything is and all the environmental things and get a backbone and ask like a man and seek like a man and knock like a man and receive God's blessing like a man. Clap your hands and give God maturity knocks. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. I said maturity knocks. It doesn't whine around, doesn't complain, doesn't get an attitude, doesn't get bitter. It knocks, and it knocks with desperation. I remember my beautiful wife over here. I remember the first service, and I told everybody we got prayer before church. One of the guys we had woke up, or woke up. Uh, he said, man, er, prayer before church, what's up with that? So the room we had, the 700-square-foot room that we had for church, we were already paying $500 a month for that, and the owner of the building, he's still there today, let us have an adjoining room right across the hallway was going to double as our prayer room because we recognize, my wife and I, we, we already knew you ain't going to have revival without a prayer room. You're going to have, the service doesn't start when everybody thinks it starts. It starts in prayer. Everything starts in prayer. And so my wife and I, we started t just that small group of people, you know, church begins, you know, half hour before church. And we finally got a couple people to show up and they just kind of sat there. And so they listened to my wife and I pray. We weren't doing it for a show. We, we, we pray. We weren't doing it to impress anybody. We prayed. That's what we were doing there. We weren't there thinking we were going to be where we are tonight. If I would have thought that, it would have probably blown my mind and scared me away with the path that it took to get to this place. But my wife and I, we pray. And so we just pray. And all of a sudden, a few people started joining us. And all of a sudden, way back 25 years ago, Cornerstone started having early morning prayer. And then with worship, I would worship God. I'd run around the pulpit. I'd run around 25 chairs. I'd dance. I'd shout. I wasn't doing it to show off. 
I wasn't doing it to impress anybody. I was doing it because I really feel that way about God. I did that. But if I just sit back and let somebody else do the running, let somebody else do the praising, let somebody else do the, what would happen if everybody did this? What, what would happen? Thanks, sis. What would happen if everybody? Okay, that's good enough. You know, just one lap, Brother Cody. That wasn't really my point to try to get everybody to run. She's been following somebody's example. That's what I'm trying to say. What if somebody did what you're doing right now? What if somebody that needed bread was watching your example? Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not a guilt trip. That's just the way it is. Okay, you guys, that's it. Well, Pastor, I ain't got time. You got to understand that's a trap of the devil. Because you first belong to God before you belong to that employer. And if you go ahead and take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. But if you ain't taking care of God's business, you're going to work your fingers to the bone. You're going to wonder where God is. Did God, lose? Did God forget my address? Did God forget my email address? No, 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 no. God says, you take care of my business and my pennies will come from heaven. And I'll bless you in the street. I'll bless you in the field. I'll bless you in the house. I'll bless you everywhere. Clap your hands and give God the praise. You that are crying poor mouth. It's time to get back and get bread for a friend. That's what you're doing here. I remember when my wife and I first we needed a breakthrough in financial giving in our church. I'd clean the church, be the usher, be the preacher, be the altar worker, be the offering taker, even when there wasn't an offering. See, we can get so used to this just think it showed up a lot. We just showed up, you know, just add water and this happens. You are, you are, you are sadly mistaken. So my wife and I gave and gave and gave and gave and we did it lovingly. We did it bountifully. We did it with joy. We did it hilariously. But see, the reason why some of you are struggling financially is you're not giving. God, God is not going to give you cancer. God is going to make sure that you get no blessings. It's just you working a job, facing the same bills that a person that doesn't even have God is facing. 
But if you were to get in line with God and say, I get to give. I'll bless you in the field. I'll bless you in the market. I'll bless you in your home. (laughs) Honey, it still works. Clap your hands and give God the praise. If I would have had that attitude, we'd still be back in a 700-square-foot office suite. But if everything is going, life is going, I talked to the realtor today. By this time next month, we will have sold our property on the interstate for almost triple what we paid for it. And it's going in the bank, thank you. You want to know why it's going in the bank? Because three weeks ago, we looked at a building that's, that's valued at $5.7 million. You see, the pastor's not out on the golf, cor- golf score working on his tiger movement. No, the pastor's saying, we got to have a bigger church. God's wanting to give a bigger revival. We got people needing bread. We got a city that wants bread. We've got a county that wants bread. We've got a world that wants bread. We've got We've got a world that's hungry. Pentecost, you have to get in gear and become apostolic because this thing, this thing is, it's not static, it's dynamic like an amoeba and God is getting ready for some cell division. This importunity, this desperation. When when we were small, let me tell you how small we were. We have a couple home missionaries out of our church right now that are here. And it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. It means everything's probably right with you, but you're just at a place where this is just the way it's got to be. I remember we had a couple people show up, got baptized, got the Holy Ghost. And every day I'd call them up, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? I'll see you on Wednesday. Friday special prayer. I'll see you on Sunday. Until Brother Dalen, they quit answering the phone. Because you have to do what you can do. And let capital F friend do what only he can do. Because when you first start a church, it's easy to throttle the baby. Man, I know he wants steak. Open up. Ah, don't bite my finger. This is good for you. It's a piece of steak. I know it's about that big, but here it is. Take it. And the baby turns blue. Okay. That you just learn that. You just, you just learn when you're a home missionary that you cannot park on their front lawn and say, I'm going to make sure you're there on Sunday. I'm going to make sure you're there on Wednesday. I'm going to make, and then the phone calls start like this. You will be there, won't you? Please. 
You got to understand that's just where home missionaries are. But you got to understand, do it with all your heart, do it with sincerity, but trust God. God is big enough. God is strong enough. They love truth. They want God. God is able to pull them out of darkness into this marvelous light. Trust God. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. Yours truly had to learn that. Because when you don't have anybody, when one victim, I mean soul, they probably felt like that before it was over. I remember, uh, anybody here remember Shirley Nichols? Probably a handful of people here remember Shirley Nichols. One, two, Three people. Sister Shirley Nichols came up to me when we were in our uh, our second building, and she said, "Pastor, we had about like what forty people, forty five people, somewhere in there." She said, "Pastor, I hope the church isn't going to get any bigger." And I said, I looked at her like. She said, "Because you're able to give me so much time." And I thought to myself, what about all the other people that need my time? See, a wise pastor has to understand, okay, I gave you a little piece of bread. If you don't eat it, don't expect any more bread from me. See, if, you, if you're saying, God, I need something, and God gives you a word and you don't do it, you can bang on that door till you're blue in the face and got blisters on your hand. God ain't going to answer you. Go back and do the original thing. Come on, somebody, help me out tonight. That shouldn't scare you. It should give you direction. God's going to connect you to point A and get you out to B because he really wants you at C. But you're not ready for that. Clap your hands and give God the praise. This is why people... This is why people and, and, and some of our new ones here, don't take this personal. This is a sociological observation by the pastor, and, it's, and it's, it's genuine and it's true. But people are coming out of our culture with, with so many choices, and they can, get, they can get high-speed internet, and they can go to uh, right over the freeway. They can go to either supermarket. They can go to Yolks. They can go to Safeway. They, there's 50 kinds of cheese. There's four different kinds of milk. There's this, there's that. And when they come to God, they bring all this unrealistic baggage. Listen to what the pastor's saying. If you didn't get it because you're asking, it's because God already views you as having moved beyond that. Now you need to get yourself by the nape of the neck and actually pray and seek him. And the word said that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And if God, if you're still not getting, I remember my wife had a giant cell bone tumor. I prayed. I rolled all over the carpet. I quoted scripture. I cried till there were no more tears. Guess what? We went to surgery in Seattle. And the day before the surgery, I hadn't heard from God for two weeks. I thought I was going to lose my wife. I asked. I sought. I knocked. And I was continuing to knock. And that last day, right before the surgery, the doctor said, Pastor, I'm sorry, but it looks like cancer. The Holy Ghost broke two weeks of silence and said, it's not cancer. 
And then all of a sudden, I heard some guy running down, running down the hallway. And he came in with 3D imaging and said, here I am, doc. I got here as quick as I could. The doctor looked at it. He said, you know what? It doesn't look like cancer after all. There she is right over there. She is a beautiful specimen of a woman of God. I'm not going to walk out on God. I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going back to the world. I'm not going to go. God expects me to be grown up. Hallelujah. Let's look at this next scripture. What importunity does, number one. It reveals your level of burden. You know what God does? When God started flipping these lights on, it blew my mind, which wasn't a very big explosion. God let stuff happen to me so that I can get on board and start working with others. Like, let's say you have an issue, and you have to go through the secret compassion to see if God provides it, God comes through. That is to get you out of your cocoon. That's not God punishing you. That's not God trying to harm you. That's not God trying to hurt you. That's God trying to bring you in into the greater dynamic of the purpose of the church. But the only way you can get your attention is to set your barley field on fire. Absalom didn't see his father for a year. He called, he called, he called, he tried to get a meeting, he tried to get a meeting. Go set his barley field on fire. Oh, he was there the next day. Let's lift our hands and say, the light is coming on me. God creates situations in our life to get us back on track, not to try to fit in with a 21st century world that is absolutely chaotic and politically uncertain, I'm telling you, I've never seen anything so scary in my life. But God is true, and God is solid, and God is a foundation, and God is sure, and God will come through because he loves us. Allowed God tried to break you out because he saw potential in you. He wasn't willing to waste your potential. You're not defined by your occupation. You're not defined by your education. You're not defined by how many degrees you got or degrees you ain't got. You are defined by the word of God. And so God operates on the word of God. He doesn't operate on the fact, well, I'm a supervisor at work. I don't know if God can do this. God's going to do it anyway. First thing that importunity does is it reveals your burden. Some of you, God brought you from a mighty long way to be a part of something like this. Oh, pastor, there's, there's churches all across the fruited plain like this. Not even close. 
I've been on the fruited plain. Number two, it reveals our willingness to be inconvenienced. Your willingness to be inconvenienced, setting aside your situations, making sure that we have at least made contact. Now, pastor will take care of it. Pastor will do this. Pastor will take care of that. Pastor will take care of my kids. Pastor will take care of this problem. I'm happy to do what I can, but I'm just one man. you got the same Holy Ghost I've got. God answers your prayers like he answers my prayers. God will open doors for you like he opens doors for me. What I'm trying to do as a pastor is help you discover that. You're not a second-class saint. You're not a nobody. You're a somebody. I'm not trying to be negative. You already know if you've been in this church any length of time at all, I'm just not afraid to just go there, just get out there. But I'm not trying to be negative just for the sake of being negative. But there's some people in this church that you've never allowed yourself to engage with other people. Why is that? You're wounded. You're not demon-possessed. God loves you. You're saved. But you're not whole. Only a whole person. whole person can connect and understand the value of connection and understand how valuable it is to the recipient of that connection. Some people just look at collection, connections through their own lens, and that's why they're easy to write it off and easy to say, I don't have time, and easy to say, I can't do it. But when you understand the value of connection, like I wouldn't even be in this church tonight. Do you hear me? I would not even, uh, brother and sister, Sergeant, you know what I'm trying to say. I was born and raised in a church. They have this revelation, which is why they went from 150 to 600 in, five, in almost five years. Why? Because they understood the value of connection. They said, devil, you ain't going to have these people. They are going to be gods. You can't have them. You, we're not going to let them go back to drugs. We're not going to let them just wander around. We're going to do something about it. We're going to stand in the gap. We're going to get desperate. We're going to pray. We're going to do something. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Number one, it reveals your burden, reveals our willingness to be inconvenienced, and reveals how much of the love of God we have. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 17. You don't have to look it up right now. Our brother Anthony, our man on the spot, is going to get this for us. But whoso has this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Well, I don't like him anyways. Let him get. That's not how a spiritual person thinks. Well, I don't like their family anyway. You know what? You need to go pray. Pray that lousy spirit off of you.
I am not trying to be, you know I love you. Man, good for you. When it's time to meet and greet, some of you don't move one muscle. Or when you do, it's just like, hey, bro, what you guys doing after church? Which restaurant y'all going to? You're still bound by insecurity and little stupid phobias that should have been completely busted off you when you got filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I don't feel like it. I worked hard today. What if they need you? Reveals your burden level. Reveals your willingness to be inconvenienced. Is this all right, Brother Tim? There's some churches won't even touch this kind of stuff with a 10-foot pole. Scared they're going to offend somebody. I'm not, I'm not trying to offend you. I love you. I'm telling you, God's got big plans for you. God's got big plans for us. But God can't use, he's the head and we're the body. And if he tells the hand to move, he's not a para, paraplegic. He's not, he's not on a hospital bed. He should be able to tell his hand to move and the hand moves. He should be able to tell his foot to go and his foot goes. He should be able to tell his body, it's time to move. Clap your hands and give God the praise. does not operate on poll numbers. Okay? Some pastors totally pass it on approval ratings. You can tell this guy don't even think about approval ratings. I want revival. There's people out there. Do you know that we're averaging between 50 and 15 and 20 first-time visitors, visitors every Sunday, visitors of that magnitude is a sign of divine favor because God has sent angels in here. And the angels are saying, yep, the church will take care of them. The church will love them. The church, where would Eric Pyatt be today if there wasn't a church that rose to the occasion? Where would this man be if there wasn't a church? I wouldn't have stand a chance like a snowball in hell. I wouldn't have even been here tonight. I am telling you, we got what it takes. You've got the power. You, clap your hands and give God the praise. You can do this. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing once we finally get our eyes off of ourselves? And start working with somebody else, all of a sudden, man, who turned the air conditioner on? All of a sudden, I can see God in this. All of a sudden, I can see, man, I don't have to do this. You know, you get all caught up in your own problem, and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And the devil's got some big plan. Yeah. Huh. Hallelujah. How you doing? Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Hi. How are you? Let me sit down. Don't talk to me. I've got the Holy Ghost. Don't smile. I don't feel like smiling. Don't smile at me. Just let me sit here. Just let, listen, bust out of that and say, devil, you ain't putting that on me. He's a big God. Clap your hands and give him praise. I'm almost done. Hallelujah.
they don't grow in the same way. And it's a known fact that girls will outgrow guys. I'm talking about their brains. My older sister had me jumping cartwheels for a little piece of candy. Okay? God, God delivered me of all that stuff, though. I want you to come here, brother. I would have your wife, but she's watching the kids. I want to tell you something. Since you have come to Cornerstone, I have come to recognize that you are a gift from God. I'm not just you and your precious wife. I'm doing this just to make a point. I'm not doing it to make anybody feel bad or, or anything. But this is straight from my heart. Since the day you guys got here, you've been looking for people to connect with. Satan is more after you than he is me. Because the devil knows I can't do this by myself anymore. We're on a good Sunday, we're over 400 people. I can't do it all. I can't even answer all the phone calls. Where do you think you're going? I'm not done. No, you can be seated. I'm just having fun. Brother Harold Sargent, Sister Sargent, and I could go all night because there's people like this all over this building. I think you're the, one of the most consistent men I've ever met. You, you and your precious wife are a gift from God. Because, hold on, hold on. And I know, he's, I know that he's worthy of, of that recognition. Every single service. I've not see, I have not seen one service where you touched your head and had a prayer meeting and got up and walked out. You get up and you look for somebody. You are a bigger target because it's people like you that's taking this church to the next level. This pastor can only dream it. I can only pray it. But it's people like you that are the mechanics. Some of you that are out there, you are a bigger target. You don't even realize. We, we get so caught up with, I got this problem, I got that problem, I got that problem. God's not even in my world. I got so many problems. You don't understand. You're focused on the problem. Who's going to take care of these problems? Casting all your cares upon him. For he careth for you. It's unbelief. It's fear. It's disbelief. It's mistrust. Because we haven't learned to graduate from ask to seek to full maturity. I'm going to stand here and knock. Because I know my God is faithful. Lift your hands. Give him praise. I'm almost done. We need to become desperate for other people. Instead of what am I going to do? What am I going to do? That's, that's, that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. Man, I'm glad this guy ain't coming to preach in our church. You, you, I'm going to tell you, you come back and see what the fruit of what we're talking about here tonight. This building is going to be packed out on Sunday. 
And people are going to be getting the Holy Ghost in this altar. And people are going to be going down in the name of Jesus. And you come back in another year or two, we're not even going to be in this building anymore. You want to know why? Because this train is bound for glory. If I get some of you on board with me and realize, go out of here in a blaze of glory. Go out of here and take souls with you. Oh, clap your hands, clap your hands, clap your hands and give him praise. Pastor, you're going to be here on Sunday? Yeah, I'm going to be here on Sunday. We got about 25 people coming over to our house. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Haven't been able to do this in a while. But this is what I started doing, and this is what I'm going to do till I get out of here. It's connecting with people. It's loving people. It's letting people know God loves you. There's a place for you in the kingdom. What if everybody did that? What if everybody did that? Pastor, all we can afford is Top Ramen. You find you a new convert. He's going to love Top Ramen. This guy right here, I could have written a book on 50 ways to cook a potato. Top Ramen is like, I'm going to be there. Top Ramen, mm. That new convert doesn't care about Top Ramen. That new convert wants to talk about God. That new convert wants to talk about what God's doing. That new convert wants to know. He, he don't want to talk about what the world's doing. He doesn't want to hear your problems. He doesn't want to hear bitterness. He wants to talk about God. Matthew chapter 25. And Brother Anthony, if you'll just start in verse 34 and just keep up with me. Matthew 25 and 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Next verse. For I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Next verse. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Next verse. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink. Next verse. When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison, or came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Next verse. Then shall he say also to them that are on his left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. No other mark against them. Doesn't say they were immoral. Doesn't say they, had, they were robbing banks. Doesn't say that they lied, cheated, robbed God. No other mark against them. For I was hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry? or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, or did not minister unto thee. Next verse. 
Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. Next verse. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. The only difference between the righteous and the unrighteous was the fact that they did not connect. Let's stand. Desperate for a friend. This altar is open. You're welcome to come and find a place to pray or in the name of Jesus. In fact, I'm going to ask that there's no music tonight. We're just going to pray. There's people all over this congregation. Elder Clark, I could go all night. There's people that I know have reached out and made a difference. Let's find a place to pray and spend a couple minutes and talk to Jesus. Ask and seek and if need be, knock and it shall be opened up unto you.